Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Tossing and turning all night like a salad. It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and today I want to talk about the idea of not being ready to quit drinking. So if you've ever been in sober Facebook groups, then you've probably seen some comments saying, you're just not ready yet, or maybe they've even been said to you before. These comments used to infuriate me. But now that I'm sober, I see how true it is. It's a long process to get ready to quit drinking, and most of the time we say we want to stop drinking when really we just want to drink less. 99% of the time, when I said I was never going to drink again, I really was just desperate to find a way to drink less. I think one important step that you can take is acknowledging that maybe you don't want to actually quit Maybe you just want to find a way to drink less. 
So then you shouldn't beat yourself up for not quitting when you don't actually want to quit. So in this episode, I'm going to share what it means to not be ready yet and steps that you can take to accelerate the process so you can quit for good. So let's dig in. talked about stages of change and wanting to drink without the consequences in episode 91, but the worst stage to be in is when you want to quit drinking, but you're not doing anything about it. So this might look like waking up in the morning and saying, I'm never drinking again, or I'm not drinking today. But by the afternoon, your motivation fades and you start talking yourself back into drinking. And the reason this keeps happening is because you wake up hungover, filled with shame and regret, and the pain that your drinking causes is right in front of your face. It sucks, and you wish you could get out of the loop. But as the day goes on, your hangover fades, and although the shame and regret is still there, it's starting to be replaced by your reasons for drinking. Stress and responsibilities pile up. Maybe you don't have any boundaries, so you have a lot of negative interactions with other people. Maybe your job is really unfulfilling and makes you unhappy. Maybe your kids or your spouse stress you out. And your mental health is probably affected by all the alcohol you're drinking too. You could feel anxious or depressed, and we know that alcohol fixes those problems. So as the day goes on, the hangover and other negatives fade and are replaced by why you need to drink, so then you go home and drink. And this is the same process that happens for people who are sober and relapse. It's just a longer process. So over time, our reasons for quitting start to become less powerful and our reasons for drinking and why drinking is good gain power. I talked about this in a previous episode that I'll put in the show notes for you and how we look back on our drinking fondly, even though most of the memories are bad. The way that we value alcohol is always changing. And you can see that in the example I gave with how you're never drinking again, but then you drink that same night, In the morning, you value alcohol pretty low because it just made you very miserable and you feel that pain. As the day goes on though, the amount that you value alcohol increases. Think of it as a scale of zero to 100. So in the morning, you value alcohol at like a zero and you might value sobriety and making a change at a 50 because you're suffering so much. But as the day goes on, the numbers start to switch. And by the end of the day, you might still value sobriety and making a change at a 50, but now your reasons for why you need alcohol become so apparent that you value alcohol at an 80. And once you value alcohol more than you value sobriety, it's going to be pretty hard to not drink. And this happens quickly too if you've ever had an emotional trigger. You might be six months sober and live in your best sober life, but something happens that shoots up the amount you value alcohol 
to like a 90 and then you immediately drink. We value alcohol so much because we think it fixes our problems and it instantly changes the way that we feel. So you can also think sobriety is important, but when you have no tools, alcohol has a better chance of winning. So the best thing that you can do to accelerate the getting ready process is to learn some coping skills. Drinking halts our emotional maturity. And one reason many of us are drawn to drinking is because we don't have any coping skills in the first place. I didn't have any, and that's why I kept turning to external things like food, exercise, and alcohol to try to fix my overwhelming emotions. If you just stop drinking, and you never develop any coping skills, then you probably won't be sober forever because you're just relying on willpower. I always recommend learning these skills by working with a therapist, but if that isn't something you can do because of health insurance, finances, or where you live in the world, then you can also learn these skills from podcasts, books, and having mentors. Find someone who has what you want and study them. And podcasts and books about mental health can teach you how to cope and develop the tools you need to work through emotions. And I try to share as many coping skills as I can with you in here so that you can work on them on your own. So let's go back to the example of someone who wakes up and says, I'm not drinking again, but then a bunch of stuff piles on throughout the day and then they drink anyway. If instead this person had some tools, they would be able to navigate the hard stuff in their day-to-day life without turning to alcohol to take the edge off. We have to use things like alcohol, food, or sex because we're carrying so much and we don't know how to unload any of it. Coping skills and tools help you unload all the crap that you're carrying around. I want you to be able to get to a place where you don't have to stuff everything down and try to ignore it, and instead you're able to process things, work through stress and discomfort, and move through it. When we don't work through things, our problems just stick with us, and that's why we're so drawn to alcohol, because it's the only thing we know that can give us some relief. And maybe it's making you feel bad when I keep saying you probably don't have any tools. But admitting that is really helpful. I say it all the time when people ask me about my drinking or I do an interview on another podcast. I say I had no tools. I had no skills. I didn't know how to deal with anything. And admitting that can help you start to learn these tools. It's not your fault that you didn't grow up learning coping skills or that you didn't have tools to work through stress in healthy ways modeled for you, but now as an adult, it is your responsibility to learn those tools. So if you're in that place and you feel like you don't have any tools, I just want you to admit it. Feel free to admit it to me if you don't want to tell anyone else, but if you have no tools, just say it. You have no tools. It is what it is. So you can start to learn these tools while you're drinking. You don't have to be sober and then you learn the tools. That's what I did. I went to therapy and I just complained the whole time about how overwhelmed I was. But because I was drinking, I did not have the mental clarity and self-awareness to fully comprehend my situation and see the cause and effect of my drinking. But I did make a little bit of progress. So it is possible. 
When I quit for good, though, I made a ton of progress in therapy because I was actually clear and aware. You can also make some good progress by having a sober mentor or a sponsor and attending meetings. So I want to talk about six different coping skills and strategies so you have an idea of what tools you might want to develop. Number one, this is always my favorite one. I'm going to repeat it to you forever. Reframing and adjusting your perspective. I've talked about avoidance behavior and reframing in some previous episodes, and I'll put those in the show notes for you. But this is my most powerful tool. Reframing helps you take negative stuff and then reinterpret it as neutral stuff. When you can make a negative thing into a neutral thing, you reduce the power that it has over you. Neutral things aren't going to set you off, so then your rational mind can actually deal with it. And studies have found that reappraisal skills and reframing skills are the key to keeping your prefrontal cortex engaged when negative stuff is present. But you can't just wake up and be like, okay, I'm going to start reframing things now. You got to practice. So the next time something sets you off, try to consider it in a different way. One big issue with drinkers is that everybody has power over us. Everybody has the power to set us off, to make us upset, and then we drink because of that. But what I want you to learn is how to control the way that you feel. I want you to take your power back and not let everyone and everything around you decide how you should feel. So reframing will help you do that. Number two, collect data about your drinking. The way that we can get out of denial that alcohol helps or that we could change the way that we drink someday is by becoming aware of the entire experience of drinking and what alcohol is really doing to you. We focus on that first hour, but the entire experience is the hours leading up to it where you start doing mental gymnastics about whether or not you should drink, that one or two hours of fun and relaxation, and then multiple hours of misery. We tend to blame ourselves for the miserable part, not the alcohol, but you need to work on your awareness so you can realize that alcohol is contributing to all the bad stuff, like your anxiety, insomnia, depression, self-hatred, relationship problems, job performance, and more. And the way that you collect data is by trying to resist the urge to beat the crap out of yourself for drinking. Try to stay away from I'm a loser land and why do I always do this place? And instead just get curious. Why did you drink? What happened right before? Did alcohol actually help you? How did your night end? And how do you feel about yourself today? If you can analyze the entire experience instead of making it a morality thing, it'll help. And I have a free three-day email challenge, and the first day is all about taking the morality out of it. So I'll link that for you in the show notes if you want to go through it. Number three, making a rule to not respond to anything immediately. If you struggle with alcohol, then chances are you are probably pretty impulsive. I am too, but it's a lot better in sobriety. The worst thing that we can do is respond immediately in anger when someone says something that makes us mad. If you make a rule that you won't respond for 24 hours, then you'll probably feel a lot different about the situation by the time you go to handle it. 
any type of tool or rule that we can use to prevent impulsive behavior is key. Something I do that really helps is if I'm typing out a cranky email, maybe the 24 hour rule isn't super realistic, but I get other opinions. I ask my friend or I ask my husband and then they're like, whoa, you cannot send that. And they help me nicen it up. So either wait 24 hours, wait 12 hours or get feedback before acting. Number four, stay busy and find something that you're passionate about. Being too busy is another avoidance coping mechanism, but being busy is a good thing too. So just be mindful of your intentions. Sitting around watching TV for hours and hours a day is our enemy. Remember that. I'm really passionate about my podcast and now about my podcast network, Sober Powered Media. This takes up literally all of my time and mental energy, so I don't have time to care about stupid alcohol. If you're busy and you stimulate your mind with things that you're passionate about, then it'll help so alcohol doesn't invade your thoughts as much. I just got back from speaking at a podcasting conference and there were three parties a day. Some of them were really like club scene and I was there to work and I just did not have time to care about stupid alcohol. I was really busy and I was focused on my work. So when you have more things in your life that are stimulating, you don't have as much time to care. Number five, find some go-to things that actually calm you down. And no, alcohol, food, and yelling at people don't count. This is where the rage walk comes in. If you're really upset and you feel triggered to drink or do something impulsive, then get outside and go on a walk. Stomp around your neighborhood listening to podcasts or really loud music or call a friend and vent. Just get it out. High energy emotions like anger and anxiety can't be stuffed down. It just makes them worse and come back later. So instead, find a way to get that out of your body. And number six, avoid your triggers as best you can. If social events are tough for you because you always end up drinking, then take a break from going to big things until you feel more confident in your sobriety. Sobriety makes us more selective too because standing around doing nothing gets pretty boring. When you feel the urge to leave because you're getting uncomfortable and bored, just get out of there. Don't judge yourself for not being fun anymore because really, I bet you weren't very fun before. When we get super drunk, we get sloppy, mean, attention-seeking, dramatic, overly emotional, too touchy. Like None of that is a fun person. So overall, if you have no tools, just own it because once you accept that you have no tools, now you can learn some tools. So try to take the morality out of it. Try to stop going to the I'm a loser, I'm the worst person ever place. And just know that I really believe you can do this. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate if you could go leave a five-star rating and a review because it helps people who need this information discover the podcast easier. And I'll put more episodes that you should listen to in the show notes. And I'll talk to you next week. I'm Maddie. 
Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.